Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that your promise to us is that you never leave us nor forsake us and that you are bigger than any problem that we might be facing. Uh, your love is able to get us through even the darkest of valleys. And we thank you for your presence this morning and pray that you just speak to us through your word. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so we started a short series from the book of Daniel. And last week we looked at how Satan wants to steal our identity and trick us into believing that we're less of a person than God created us to be. If you weren't here last week, you can go online and you'll pick it up as one of our podcasts. We also saw how God downloaded knowledge into Daniel and his friends so that they were 10 times wiser than all of the king's other advisors. And so they got positions of influence, which is really what God wants every one of us to have. So today I want to continue to talk about influence and destiny. Because in every life, there are pivotal moments. There are often crossroads, there are often opportunities or challenges when destiny is unleashed or set or changed for a person. And the decisions that we make at those crucial times can set us on a particular direction for the rest of our lives. A classic example of this would be Martin Luther. And those of you who know a little bit about church history will know that Martin Luther changed the history of the churches. Protestant churches exist because of Martin Luther's revelation that it's by grace we are saved not through works. And so Martin Luther in his early 20s was actually studying to be an attorney. And he had developed some close friendships at university, but unexpectedly the plague hit that particular area and three of his close friends died. And this really, really stirred him up and heightened his awareness of his own mortality. And shortly after this, he took a trip from the university back to his hometown. And in the middle of his journey, he was caught in a severe thunderstorm. And it was a life-threatening situation. And in that crisis, Luther called out to God and then committed himself to God afresh, telling God that he was going to forsake his worldly ambitions and become a monk. Uh, he survived that storm and being faithful to the promise he made, he came back and joined an extremely strict Augustine monastery and he studied the word and prayed. And it was through his study and through his prayer that God was able to speak to him and download things which had not been revealed to the church of his day. And alone in that thunderstorm, he made a major life-changing decision that took him in a completely new direction. And you see this all the way through the Word of God. Elisha, who was the son of a really wealthy farmer. One day, the famous prophet Elijah came to the farm, threw his cloak over Elisha, which was a call to follow him as an apprentice prophet. And at that moment, Elisha could have said, no, uh, I've got a sweet life. I'm going to inherit the farm. It's going to be really, really good for me. Uh, had he made that decision at that pivotal moment, we probably would not even know his name 
today. But in a brief moment, he made a decision and it turned the course of Elisha's life. If you have a look at the disciples, every one of them had similar experiences. And then, of course, there was the rich young ruler who could have become one of Jesus' close disciples. But he chose his riches at that crucial moment of call instead of following Jesus. So this morning, I'm not going to talk about all these guys, but I'm going to talk about you and I and the major decision points in our lives, especially those decision points that come our way and will come our way in the days ahead. Uh, Some of those moments come pretty quickly, and we either go one way or the other. And it's those opportunities when they come that we've got to seize and we've got to respond to in a godly way. In Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a disturbing, a troubling dream. And he calls all his wise men together and he asks them to tell him what the dream was and what the interpretation of that dream was. And of course they can't. And they basically say, hey, no one on all the earth can tell you what the dream was that you had. And they say, we can't interpret it, but tell us the dream. And then we'll interpret it for you. But the king refuses and says, okay, if none of you can tell me what the dream was that I had, then I'm going to kill you, kill you all. And not only am I going to kill you guys here in the palace, but I'm going to kill every wise man and every sorcerer in the whole of the land of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar was a bit of a king of extremes. And he wasn't going to do things by half. So he's going to just kill the lot because uh, he knows that they're not really wise at all. And so we pick up the story in um, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 13. And it says this. It says, So... The decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death also. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Always a good idea when you're facing death. Wisdom and tact. And he asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So the next day, Daniel goes in. He tells the king what the dream was. He interprets the dream. And then in verse 46, it says, 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all his wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. What a great story. Uh, What a great outcome on one day. Daniel and his friends are facing death. The next day, they're in charge of the whole land. Uh, We've just about seen that somewhere before, haven't we, with uh, Joseph. One day, he's in the prison. The next day, he's in the courts of Pharaoh. Jesus said of today that troublesome times will come. And that's not surprising since in New Zealand, one of the most secular countries in the world, the values of New Zealand culture are drifting further and further away from Christian values. Uh, One of the consequences of this is the fact that more and more young people are growing up with no future hope in an increasingly hostile environment. And mums and dads, grandparents, our kids and our grandkids are facing problems and issues that we never had to confront when we were young. It's a whole new world. The good news is that no matter what the situation is that we face, our God is bigger, he's more powerful, and so he can work any situation for good. In fact, the darker the world becomes, the brighter the light in Christians' lives can shine through. But we need to recognize right from the outset that God can use crises and problems in our lives to open up a door of opportunity and draw us closer to himself. And that was certainly the case for Daniel. Uh, Daniel was in a foreign land just like us. You know, earth is not our home. We are citizens of heaven. No matter how good or how bad this place is, we are just passing through. Someone once said that earth is the closest to heaven that some people are going to get. And it's also the closest to hell that some people are going to get. We are citizens of heaven. God has a place for us for eternity for all those that know him. Daniel didn't have a Christian boss. Daniel served a hard-nosed world leader who had just issued a command to have Daniel and all the other wise men in the land killed through no fault of Daniel's. And the key for us in every crisis situation that we find is to look to God for his help. And hear what he's saying. Because every one of us, our lives are in his hands. He's the ones who give us breath. He's the one who has determined the length of our days. 
But no matter how long our days are, and my grandmother lived to 101, but that is minuscule compared to eternity. It's just really, really small. So God is the one who has the whole world in his hand. This situation for Daniel, while on one side looked to be a death sentence, actually it was a door of opportunity, which Daniel was able to take advantage of because of his preparation and godly character. And every one of us need to be prepared for the plans and the purposes and the things that God wants to bring about in our lives. When I look back at key decisions, big destiny-changing situations in my life, three particular situations come to mind. All of the situations were orchestrated by God. And one of the things that now, as a Christian, I look back on and I see is that God knows the plans that he has for each and every one of us. Amen? They're plans for good, not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. But the first situation that I see was a situation that happened before I was a Christian. And it's interesting that God knows exactly what he wants from each and every one of our lives. And even before we are Christians, he gets us into situations and circumstances where we can come to know him. I had been, uh, as a young man, just left school. I had been preparing to go to Auckland University to do a Bachelor of Science. Then uh, one day a friend told me that uh, he was going to Massey to do food technology. And this guy had applied to New Zealand Dairy for a scholarship. And I thought, man, that sounds good. I'm broke. I need some money. I can't afford university. So I thought, hmm, I'll have a look at the prospectus. I had a look at the prospectus. Loved the subjects that they were studying biotechnology. And uh, so I uh, applied to get into Massey, which I did, and applied for a New Zealand Dairy Company scholarship, and they gave me one. And that changed the whole of my life. Six months after arriving at Massey, I got uh, healed of a soccer injury and got miraculously saved. And when I look back, it was God's timing. It was God's place. He knew where he needed to get me so that his plans and his purposes could come to pass. And in that situation, nothing that I did actually prepared me for what God had in store. However, the next situations all required my preparation. Having worked with New Zealand Dairy, having got to the position of technical executive, having flown around the world for a number of years, I was at a black power funeral. It was a funeral for a young guy who had been murdered by a mongrel mob, and I had just spoken at the tangy, and I just sat down and I heard the audible voice of God. And God said to me, how many more young men will die before you preach my word? And at that stage, I didn't want to become a preacher. I had a fantastic job. I was earning big money. Uh, I had Life was really, really good. But my hope was not in my job. My hope was not in the money that I was earning. My hope was in God. And so I was able to respond to that by saying, God, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. I went home from that, told Penny what had happened. 
uh, gave the dairy company six months' notice, and six months later, I uh, had um, left the dairy company and was volunteering my time at our local Assemblies of God church. The third situation came about when I had the offer to pastor a church in Rotorua. I was an assistant pastor at that stage at Hamilton AOG, and um, I'd gone and preached in Rotorua, and they'd offered me the position of senior minister down there. And so I had said to God that any major critical decisions that I had to, had to make, I would only make after praying and fasting for a time. So I went off to uh, the beach to pray and fast. Uh, first morning that I'd been praying, uh, I fell asleep, like none of you had ever done while you were praying, but I fell asleep. And while I was asleep, God spoke to me through a dream. And as a result of that dream, I came up, preached up here in Whangarei. Uh, Dave Palmer was on the board at that stage. And a couple of weeks after I'd come up, uh, the board invited me to come and be the senior minister here in Whangarei. And that was 20, 24 years ago. And uh, God was able to change. But I had to, I had to respond to those situations. And the responses that I made to those last two situations were responses that came because I had already made destiny-determining decisions in my life. The first decision that I'd made right back when I became a Christian was I decided to put Jesus first in my life. And there is a constant theme running through the Bible encouraging us to choose God and to put him first in every area. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all of the other things will be added. Jesus said, love God with everything you've got. In fact, if you want to summarize the Bible, Jesus said, here's two commandments for you. First one, love God with everything you've got. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that summarizes everything. Every one of us have got to make decisions daily about how we put God first in our lives. And it's the decisions that we have made prior to problems or prior to crisis situations that determine how we respond to destiny-determining situations when they come. Young person, young lady, it's no good finding yourself in the back seat of a car with a young man and then thinking, do I want to stay a virgin? You've got to make those decisions way, way, way before you get into those difficult situations. Then you avoid the situation in the first place. And all the mums and dads said, Amen. Amen. Decide, decide, decide now how you want to live your life. And it'll put you in good stead for the future. Don't wait till a crisis the situation when your hormones are flowing and your emotions are over the top to decide how you're going to act. Decide in God now how you're going to act and then ask for God's help to keep you out of the traps of the enemy. It's the decisions that we've made prior to problems that will determine how we respond. What we value establishes our priority and our priorities establish our practice. So if God is number one in our lives, it'll be evidenced by the way that we live. Getting to know him. Pleasing him, living for him will be our focus and our number one priority. 
Our lives, all that we do, flow out from our desire to live for Jesus and to make a difference for him in the world. And the amazing thing is that he said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of the other things which God knows that we need will be added. I mean, how good is that? But he requires us to seek him first. When you decide to put God first in your life, everything else will flow from that. Another destiny-determining decision that I made was to deal with stuff in my life that can hold me back in the things of God. Now, this is something that you've got to make every day. This isn't just a once It's not like you decide to get things sorted out once, and then you're perfect like Jesus thereafter. But every day... You need to work at stuff, but you need to determine that you are going to grow in the things of God. You're going to grow up in Him, and you're going to deal with stuff as He shines His light on it. And thank God that He doesn't shine His light on everything at once. Otherwise, we'd just be blown away. We would be overwhelmed. God shines His light on areas one day at a time. And when we deal with what he shines his light on, then we can go on to the next. God works out his plans and his purposes in our lives. So that includes letting go of past mistakes and past offenses that will make it hard for us to respond positively to destiny-determining situations. You see, often our past mistakes cause a hesitancy to step out and trust God. So hands up all those people who have never, ever made a mistake. I was waiting for someone to make their first mistake. <laughs> hands up those people who have never, ever made a big mistake in their life. Every one of us have. Every one of us have made big mistakes in our life. The reality is if we focus on those things, if we don't ask for God's forgiveness, if we don't leave those, they will stop us. If we're holding on to those big mistakes, they'll stop us from taking hold of what God has for us in the future. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, above everything else, and I think that means above everything else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, or as the King James says, for out of it flows the issues of life. Okay. Jesus said the good man out of the good stored in his heart will bring out good things. So whatever's on the inside makes its way outwards. And if the inside is healthy, then stuff gets healthy on the outside as well. If the inside is fractured and hurting or lacking, then that will work its way outwards as well. So if things aren't going well in your life on the outside, look at your heart because that's where the issue will be. The key to responding positively to destiny-changing situations is to develop a great heart. And God can help us with that each day because it's not something that we can do for ourselves. My wife can't change my heart. I can't change my heart well. Only God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, can change our hearts. But it happens as we respond to him and as we ask him for help. Daniel had been growing a great heart through his dedication to God and his regular prayer life. 
Your future is in your heart because out of your heart comes all the issues of life. Your relationships come out of your heart. Your work career, your destiny, everything you are, everything you do flows out of your heart. So guard your heart, defend your heart, deal with the issues of the heart because out of your heart is going to come your life. Often I have to come to God and say, God, please change my heart. Give me your heart attitude in this situation. And God, through his word, promises that he'll take away that stony heart and replace it with a soft heart of flesh. But we've got to come to him and we've got to ask him for that. That is so important when it comes to the next decision that I've made, and that's to choose to do everything I can to grow in my relationship with God. You know, your relationship with God will grow as you fuel it. It's like a fire, and we don't often have fires in Whangarei, but when we do have one, if you don't stoke it, it's going to go out. And the same will be true with your relationship with God. Those of you who have been married for quite a number of years will know that your relationship with your, with your wife requires constant input. It's no good once a year saying, Oh, hello, honey, I love you. No, it's something that happens every day, every week, every month. You do things for each other. You spend time with each other. You build your relationship together. And the same is true with our relationship with God. We've got to spend time doing things. And as, as I do that with God, I prioritize two things more than anything else. That is reading the Word and prayer. Reading the word and prayer are absolutely keys to growing your relationship with God. As great as church is, as challenging and encouraging as church is, and I think of church being very much like the coach's half-time talk in the, in the middle of a rugby game. You know, the dressing room most often determines the outcome of the game because the coach will be seeing things that the players don't see he's got an overview and so he's able to say hey you do this you do that hey you're you're not doing this quite right and that's the job of church that's the we're we're the half-time encouragement side of things but as great as it is as encouraging as it is there's no substitute for reading God's word and praying you can't have a relationship with God through your local church. God's presence here is on top of the presence that you should be developing in your life in that secret place at home. It's no good coming once a week. Well, I won't say it's no good, but <laughs> it's good coming once a week. <laughs> but you need to be develop your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ for yourself during the week that was Daniel's habit he would pray three times a day so when crisis struck Daniel he was prepared and he prays and he gets his friends to pray and God responded there's something about corporate prayer and if you're facing a crisis in your life, often when we're sick, 
we're at that time of lowest faith. I know that's true for me. When, if I'm, I mean, you guys know, over the last 24 years, we've seen heaps and heaps and heaps of people healed, set free, lives changed. And I've got faith for praying for all those things to see miracles. When I am sick, that's usually a low point for me. And that's why the Bible says, hey, if there's any sick amongst you, go and get the elders of the church. They'll pray for you and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So when you get in those situations, get somebody else to pray. Uh, We have a fantastic prayer team here at church uh, that we send out prayer requests Uh, We send them out confidentially, and they pray into and through situations that most of you wouldn't even know were going on. But that's part of the corporate job of the church, to stand alongside each and every one of us and pray through difficult situations. The battle is always won through prayer. So if you're not a prayer, get to learn how to pray before the crisis comes. Daniel's prayer and faith turned that crisis into a destiny-changing opportunity. I love life. I love my family. I love this church. I love what God is doing in and through us. But there is so much more that I am committed to grow in and Stay hungry for more and more and more of God. I sow my time and my talents and my resources into God's kingdom because where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be also. The last of the destiny-determining decisions that I've made, and there's a number of other ones, but we haven't got time for them this morning, just as the musicians come, please, is I trust God with my tomorrows. I don't know what my tomorrows will bring. I went to a birthday party yesterday. It was a birthday party for a um, person who was pastoring here in Whangarei. Some of you might have known old Jack Algie. Some of you, he was the pastor of um, Carmo Baptist Church for a number of years when I first came uh, 24 years ago. Well, Jack had his 80th birthday yesterday. And uh, what a fantastic guy. Uh, He usually preached in bare feet. Katie? (laughs) <laughs> bare feet is what, what you'd see him in but it was interesting hearing his, um, hearing his story because at the age of 13 Jack was the very first child to survive open heart surgery and I thought wow God had his hand on Jack right from the very beginning got him through that situation and so Jack pastored in, um, in Rawini and uh, in a number of other places. And uh, when we came to Whangarei, he was the pastor of um, Kamo Baptist. And he used to come to our prayer meetings that we used to hold in the church. We still hold in the church every Wednesday for ministers. And so I got to know him really, really well. And it was a privilege just to go down and just be part of his um, birthday celebration. But he was a guy who knew how to trust God for his tomorrows. I don't know what my tomorrows will bring. But I know God and I trust Him so that I don't have to live in fear. But I live knowing that God has got a great plan for my life and He can turn anything for good. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. 
in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Young person, that's the verse that you can put on the inside of your Bible. That's the verse that you can hang, hang up on your bedroom wall. Trust in the Lord and he will make your path straight. And sometimes the things that he tells you to do, you can't figure them out in the natural. But as you trust in him, God will keep your path straight. Proverbs 21.1 King's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it whichever way he wishes. If you want to make sure that your destiny is according to the plans and the purposes of God, keep your heart in his hands. If your heart is in God's hands, he can turn you this way or that. You can be walking one way and God will turn his hand and you'll end up going in a different. Both ways right, different times, different opportunities. You see, for Daniel, when crisis came, Daniel knew a God who was sufficient for any crisis. He knew God is able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or even imagine. Therefore, Daniel responded to the crisis in faith and prayer. And that response turned the crisis into an opportunity. Seizing the opportunity propelled Daniel forward in his destiny. And the question is, how are we going to respond when pivotal moments that lay ahead of us, life-changing situations, when they come, how are you going to respond? Largely, it's going to depend on the preparations that you make now. It depends on your understanding of God and His relationship with you depends upon a willingness to step forward in faith and trust God for a good outcome even when others can't see it. But the crucial preparation for Daniel was his consecration to God. Joshua 3.5, verse which I finish with, consecrate yourselves. In other words, give yourselves afresh to God for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Amen. Why don't you stand with me?